Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of March 23rd, 2020. On the show today, there's been some Disney World news in the past week, yeah? And in our main segment, Jim talks about the future of the Muppets in Disney theme parks. Let's get started by bringing in the man who wants you to discuss the idea that in the Willy Wonka movie, it was Violet Beauregard who deserved the Chocolate Factory, not Charlie. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Those are key, crucial missing scenes. <laughs> they roll her away. And I think in the Tim Burton version, you do get to see a dejuiced Violet walking out. But I want answers. What does the dejuicing machine look like? These are question number one, right? That's all I want to know. <laughs> Jim, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, D-Click, Murray C., and Christian L., and longtime subscribers, Mighty Librarian, David C., and Shane B. Jim, these folks invented the legendary Disney dessert known as the Kitchen Sink at Beaches and Cream at Disney's Beach Club Resort. They were working on ice cream ideas. Everyone put in their own favorites on a list, and then they all got hungry and went to lunch. Their boss walked in, saw the list on the whiteboard, and thought it was their finished idea for one dessert, and ran with it. True story, Jim. That's how it happened. I still want to be in the meeting where, face it, somebody had to, we need to build a tiny kitchen sink that we then bring to the table. And it's like, what? <laughs> Whip out the 3D software, guys. Yeah. And then, and then we're, like, that's a good question. Whose sink did they model it after? Was it just like, what do we have around the house? This sink. I don't know. Or, if it were my place, there would be cat food dishes in there, which I think, again, <laughs> add yeah. an, an unnecessary undertone to the dessert. Yeah, I mean, do you go do you go modern on the sink? Do you go classic? I mean, what is the platonic ideal of a, of a kitchen sink? Because that's what they're going for. Yeah, Beaches and Cream just had an upgrade, or, or you know, a, a retheme, right? Did, yeah. Did they go with a more modern sink? <laughs> they're calling it Property Brothers. Hey, we need a we need a kitchen sink. There we but, go. But not the kind you're thinking of. <laughs> I think because you know, it's a smaller kitchen sink, it would have been the younger Property Brother. You know, Vinny. Probably tiny <laughs> The one they can afford on their budget, right? There you go. By the way, Jim, did you see the uh, nice shout out we got on Twitter from uh, Josh Gad about the show? I have to admit, that was a, a little strange. I did tell you my Josh Gad story, though, or? No, you told me you were going to tell it. Okay. All right. This is, I want to say, the second D23 Expo, and I'm backstage. Trying not, not to get caught for being backstage? Well, no, no. Is, no, that, no, this, is that where the story's going to? <laughs> this is one of those moments where the Walt Disney Company actually invited me backstage. I mean, again, they're, they're, oh, they're very wow, few. Oh, legit. Okay. What's that like? <laughs> well, it, it genuinely got strange when I'm standing on what was known as the blue carpet. And, you know, what they're doing is the traditional pressing you get like two minutes with each individual performer and then they move to the next thing and so so i'm there with my disney press handler and here come the crew through for frozen which is it still mm -hmm. has to be released so here's adina menzel and here's Kristen bell and two steps up but josh gad and so the, the press handler goes and this is jim hill from jim hill media and josh makes like a warner brothers cartoon face and looks down at the, the name on the ground and like you're jim hill 
And it's like, yes. And he's like, I'm obsessed with you. And it's like, oh, great. And it's like, what? <laughs> and it turns out Josh, as he said in what he posted on Twitter, is a huge Disney nerd. And, you know, and that's why he raised his daughters the way he did. And Josh proceeds to talk to me about how he sent me a letter once for a Y4 column that I never answered. And he now, he has me in front of him. So I have to answer this question. And the press line goes off the rails because... <laughs> Josh won't move. He wants an answer to his question. And and not for nothing, Jim, but there are no two-minute answers when you talk. This is true. Right? All right. I mean that with love, right? <laughs> and so then for this weird sort of six-month window, well, I regularly end up interacting with Josh, and he tells me these lovely stories like how when Disney sent him, uh, you know, you're a performer in a movie, so they send you a box of swag for the film you're working on. And so mm -hmm. his daughter pulls out the Olaf doll and presses the foot. And it talks, and she immediately turns to her dad and says, Daddy, shut up. I'm trying to hear the doll. <laughs> you know, and hammers on the foot again, and it's like, Daddy, shut up. And, like, and Josh finally says, okay. And he walks down the hall in their apartment and closes the bedroom door, and he hears his little girl hammering on the foot, hammering on the foot, hammering on the foot. And eventually, there's the bedroom door opens, and there's this really confused little girl like, you have to explain this to me. Why? <laughs> How did your voice get in the doll? <laughs> And finally, I think Frozen is at the absolute height of its powers. And so Josh is on Good Morning America. He's being interviewed right. by George Stephanopoulos. But as soon as he completes his conversation with George, you know, the, the Disney press answers literally hands her his phone and, and we're conducting an interview. And so I get, oh, wow. I'm, I'm watching Josh you know, on television at home and he's there with George. And then 30 seconds later, the phone rings and it's like, hey, Jim. And it's like, and it's like. Oh, Josh, this is such a step down for you. But it's like, no, 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 step up, step up. <laughs> and then we proceed to nerd out about stuff. But no, he's a, a genuinely sweet guy and very, very much looking forward to seeing him and Artemis Fowl, if that ever actually makes it into theaters, which brings us to our next topic. That's true. By the way, uh, I didn't recognize the name Josh Gad because I've never seen the film Frozen. Oh. So I know. And I live in a rock. So I had to ask my team who he, who he is. Mm -hmm. Because they were like, oh, my God, Josh Gad, mm -hmm. you know, tweeted, tweeted that he loved the show. And I'm like, that's great. Who's Josh Gad? <laughs> uh, I know, right? I, I'm, I'm uncultured swine. I apologize. So It makes the social distancing so much easier. You know? I know. That's what, uh, Speaking of that, like if somebody told me three weeks ago mm -hmm. that my job was going to involve staying at home and have food delivered in with no social contact whatsoever, I'm like, oh, it's Tuesday. That's great. You, know, that's you stole my joke. Problem. That is literally the joke I've been telling. <laughs> Right, so it's that's fine. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, so I I go on to Slack mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, or people are communicating. I'm like, who's Josh Dad? And Julia, who runs our blog, wrote back first, and she said, he's from South Florida. I think he used to do community theater. <laughs> knows a lot of cast members. Really likes Disney. And I wrote back. I'm like, oh, that's very nice of him. Then that's great. Mm -hmm. So. That, that was it. That, no, no one told me who he was, <laughs> which was kind of funny. Uh, but I, it's kind of comforting to think mm -hmm. that Josh Gad sends us a couple dollars per month for the show, and we probably go out and spend it on Olaf cupcakes in the park. This you know, like, I, 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 can, all is now in balance, Lynn. Right. That's, that's exactly that. I think that's what Mufasa was really talking about with the great circle, circle of life speech. I really think it there is. There we go. It's all about cupcakes. So, <laughs> Anyway, Jim, speaking of cast members, I'd like to give a special shout out to Joanne. Uh, cast member I see on a fairly regular basis. I hope all of y'all are doing well and you're staying safe and healthy. Tell everyone we said, hey. All right, Jim, should we do the news? We got to do it sometime. Hey. All right, Jim, the uh, the COVID-19 update. Here we go. This is 
Because I think I think on the last show, Jim, didn't we say that the parks weren't currently closed? And then like 30 seconds later, the parks closed. <laughs> well, that's actually what's been, <laughs> been very nice about our listeners. Yeah, no one, no one wrote in and said, hey, you're wrong. They said, you can tell when Jim and Len recorded this because, you know, for that 30 second window, the parks were still open. So, you know. I think we we literally hit end on the recording and Disney was like, oh. Yeah. Then, then the dominoes started to fall. Anyway, all the parks are, and resorts are closed through at least April 1st. Jim, it's what, March 19th as we're recording this? I have my doubts that the parks are going to reopen in uh, 13 days. No, no. Um, but we'll see. You can actually track backwards from Governor Newsom from when he made the statement to the effect of any gatherings of 250 people. In the state of California, unless it's mandatory or that sort of thing, this shouldn't happen. And then from that moment going forward, Newsom had been having conversations with Bob Iger and Iger had stressed the cleaning policies at Disneyland and that sort of thing. And he was, I guess, a narrow window of time. The state of California gave Disneyland special dispensation to stay open. Yeah. But then it was, it was Iger himself who thought, no, this is a bad play. You know, if we're the only thing open, we're going to look greedy and... So they voluntarily shut down California. And then from there, it just yeah. slid you know, to Florida. Yeah. That happened last week. Mm-hmm. Again, they're saying April 1st right now. Yep. The fact that schools aren't going back until at least April 15th mean, makes me suspicious that anything's going to reopen uh, April 1st. By the way, Jim, did you see the news that uh, construction projects have stopped? To double back to the Newsom thing. It was like, okay. It's a, it's a gathering of people. Yeah, yeah, 250 people. Okay, we can have 250 people at a, uh, a construction site. But then the CDC came out and said, whoa, maybe we should limit that to 50 people. So they were, even then, Disney was like, okay, I guess we can make this work. But when President Trump at that, that White House briefing said that, you know, you should avoid gatherings of 10 or more people. And it's like, that's it. Yeah. You can't work a construction site with just 10 people. With 10 people. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? That's going to throw all the construction projects back by some undetermined amount of time. The amount of drinking that's going on among the Walt Disney World 50th anniversary planning group right now is not, oh, not pretty. So. Also, uh, all Disney Cruise Line sailing suspended through April 12th. Mm-hmm. But then the Wonder had cruises to Alaska through Canada, right? Mm-hmm. And Canada suspended all cruises through July 1st. So still TBD on DCL sailings, right? Okay. By the way, Jim, I was, uh, I was actually in the parks the last uh, weekend before closing. It was busier than, I mean, it wasn't as busy as it was supposed to be because mm-hmm. it was the weekend before peak spring break mm-hmm. crowd. So the week that, this, this week that we're recording this on was supposed to be the busiest spring break week. Mm-hmm. Of the year, it, crowds were not near what they were supposed to be, but still, it was you know there were still a large number of people in the uh, the parks. Jim, the thing that I will always remember about this, mm-hmm. and the thing to me that that signaled something was up, Disney set the Frontierland shooting arcade rifles mm-hmm. to free play, Jim. Oh. So you you didn't have to pay the dollar to, to to play, Jim. I have never seen so many people having so much fun at that attraction. Mm. Every single rifle was taken. People were shooting like it was the Wild West. Like it was it was Gunsmoke meets Wyatt Earp meets Tombstone meets Men in Black. Everyone was having fun. It was great. Did you hang on long enough? Because I guess they did a special sort of good night, hail and farewell at the train station. Or were you out of the park by that point? That was a large gathering of people and I was leaving before then. Okay. Okay. So just to be clear here, you're not the one that Abigail Disney is mad at. No, I was gone. I was gone way before that. <laughs> All right, good to know. Speaking of the uh, the parks, though, Jim, when when they reopen, mm-hmm. what do you think that's going to look like? First of all, it's going to be 
Disney reaching out to a lot of its cast members, what, some 60,000 in Orlando? And it's like, you're still here, right? You're still going to come in just to see how they can staff and just to sort of reassure the public when they come back. Disney, as aggressive as they already were about cleaning, they're, they're going to be cleaning on steroids. So That's funny. So I, uh, when I was uh, walking into the Magic Kingdom, I think it was Saturday, Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. You walk in and they still were making, they were still, we're still doing the finger scans, mm-hmm. which was a little unusual. Yeah. But immediately afterwards, there were tables set up mm-hmm. with hand sanitizers on them. So you got that. Yeah. But then I walked into Main Street. Mm-hmm. And do you remember the uh, the band from the studios, uh, Mulch, Sweat, and Shears? Yes. Yeah. I love those guys. So the, the, yeah. the lead singer of Mulch is now one of the Main Street characters, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, so he was like a city councilman. So I'm like, oh, I haven't. I haven't seen you in a while, you know, what have you been up to? And he's like, oh, you know, issuing proclamations and, you know, all kinds of things. I'm like, really? What are you, what are you, and so we had hand sanitizer, so we're sharing, mm-hmm. you know, hand sanitizer. And I'm like, you know, well, what are you going to, what are you going to do during, during the next couple of weeks? He's like, oh, we've, we've got tons of paperwork to do. We're going to be alphabetizing things and, you know, okay. Like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> anyway, so all the, all the Main Street characters had. They can't break yeah, character. I love that. Did not break character even once, mm-hmm. which was kind of fantastic. Okay. So that was good. Yeah, but uh, uh, so I've heard like um, basically the recovery for the parks is going to be like after a hurricane where certain parks might not open, like all the parks not, might not open on day one, mm-hmm. all the attractions might not be open, probably not parades or fireworks. I can't imagine we're going to be doing character greetings on day one. No, no. They're going to be the equivalent of pioneers, folks, who as soon as they hear that Walt Disney World is open for business again, they're going to just head on down there. And it just, you have to be ready. Everybody's going to have to kind of feel their way is, you know, how we interact, what we do going forward. Because it, it seems like lately there is no particular set in stone. You know, for example, the movie theaters around the country, some of the chains are closed for six weeks. Some of them are saying they won't reopen for 12 weeks. And even then, are they going to reopen and do the social distancing? Which, which, by the way, Lynn, I did on Monday. Nancy and I wanted to see Onward before the theaters closed. And boy, we're lucky mm-hmm. we went on Monday because they were closed on Tuesday. But we went to the 12 noon matinee and there were literally four of us in the theater. But of course, because the theater behaves like a theater, they sat us right next to one another. <laughs> so it's like, I think we'll move down four rows. Exactly. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, Does is Disney going to do that? Because that changes the spiel to the Hall of Presidents a little bit. <laughs> you know, move down a seat, leave a seat between you and the next guest and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they could, they could do like every other seat and then every other row. And that so that brings me to this point. The um, mm-hmm. Saturday night, last Saturday night, I had dinner at Citrico's. Mm-hmm which was really good, but they were, I think they were definitely spacing us out. First of all, the restaurant was only a third full, but there was always at least a table, bet- an empty table between us and the next set of guests. You think that's something that they'll continue? Because that means that, that the restaurants, that the sit-down restaurants will operate at no more than half capacity and probably more like a third capacity, mm-hmm. which is fine, right? If that's what has to happen. I know. I, I get that. I, I truly do. And in fact, that's there's this delicate balancing act between Florida lives and dies by its tourism economy. So it's kind of crucial that not just Walt Disney World, but Universal and, you know, the resorts out at the beach and that sort of thing, get back mm-hmm. up and operating as soon as possible. But we're still trying to sort of flatten the curve here, so to speak, yep. COVID-19 was, and it's really crucial that we knock this down the first time if we can do it. Because if you, you go all the way back 
to the Spanish flu in 1919. It wasn't the first outbreak that was the bad one. It was the second one in 1920 that really right. laid waste to the country. So it's just sort of like we don't get, trust me, folks, you know, if you're bored sitting at home right now and anxious about what's going on in the world, trust me, you don't want to do this twice. Yeah, I don't want to do this again. Yeah. yeah. Because I was, I was thinking about all the places in, in a theme park or in Walt Disney World or, you know, Universal too, mm -hmm. where you have people around mm -hmm. you. So the obvious ones are in lines at attractions, right? Mm -hmm. But also like on buses, on monorails. You, I mean, you're never going to have a, a packed ferry boat again, right? Not for a while. <laughs> so so those things will, will all have to change. But here's where I was going with mm -hmm. it. I noticed that in the week before mm -hmm. the parks closed, the Disneyland app mm – -hmm had an update that uh, mentioned virtual queues. Like, here's a list of your virtual queues. Mm -hmm. Now, we know there's only one virtual queuing attraction in Disneyland, and that's Rise of the Resistance. Mm -hmm. The fact that they added a list for multiple virtual queues in the app, I, originally I was thinking it might be for the Avengers stuff. Mm -hmm. But it occurred to me that virtual queues would also be better than regular lines for this whole social distancing thing while you're in the parks. You think that's something that they would they would look to roll out more broadly? You're, you're not wrong, Len. <laughs> Your virtual queue is in Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking with a friend at, at Disney about this. And up here in New Hampshire, when it comes to social distancing, they're telling people in order to literally have the proper distance between folks, whether they're out shopping or out in the world or that sort of thing, says – Imagine yourself carrying a pair of invisible skis. Yeah. So you've got three feet out in front of you on the ski and three feet behind you. And so it's was mentioning that my friend at Disney said, that'll work at Blizzard Beach, but nobody else is going to get that. <laughs> Imagine you're carrying a lightsaber in each there arm. There we go. Okay, good. <laughs> you you got to talk in terms people relate to, okay. Jim. That's really what public right. relations come down, comes down that's, to. That's beautiful. Uh, more to the point, it's One a retail more, opportunity. It's a retail opportunity. Yeah, if you give every – if everyone has to buy the the lightsabers, then you're set. Mm. The other thing I had a question about was, the, was this, Jim. Mm. I noticed that Universal has gone direct to streaming for certain movie releases that were already out in theaters. Because as you mentioned, theaters have already closed. Mm -hmm. But movie movie studios still have to make the money back mm -hmm. on the movies. So I think Universal announced that there were three movies in theaters at this time that were going direct rent to video for like $20, yeah, right? Yeah, I want to say the their Invisible Man remake. Invisible Man, I, right. Emma, and I want to say The Hunted. But the, the big one, because it is not in fact in theaters right now, is uh, Trolls World Tour. And that is genuinely the canary in the coal mine, Len. Right. If that one succeeds, in fact, Disney is watching mm -hmm. that really, really close. Could, oh, yeah, you think? Especially now with Onward out in theaters and the fact that basically its theatrical run has been crippled by the fact that at this point, I want to say 20% of the theaters in the U.S. are open. And in fact, I'm, I'd honestly be surprised by the time this show gets posted if they're still up and running. So Disney is watching what's happening or what's about to happen with Trolls World Tour really carefully. And you've heard what Universal is doing, right? The, the idea is you for $19.95, you buy a 48-hour license for the film. You can, you can run mm -hmm. it as many times as you want in your home. But after 48 hours, that reverts back to Universal. Yeah, but I mean, 20 bucks, that's that's basically the cost of going to see a movie in, in New York. Anyway, no, that's it exactly. 
$20 is a bargain. And you can make your own popcorn. But folks at Disney are watching that real close, and it will be really interesting to see what might happen with Onward. Should Trolls World Tour do the sort of business that a lot of people are thinking it will do? You think they would uh, make it rental, or do they just put it on Disney Plus and make everyone subscribe? There's your $64 question, because think about right, it. There's been right. a lot of people talking lately about when does Mandalorian 2 come on? Because, you know, I'm looking at Disney yeah. Plus and there's there's not a lot for me to look at. And I think it was Drew Taylor who actually pointed this to me that if they put Onward on Disney Plus, that would solve a variety of problems they're having right now. It's like, oh, you don't want something new to watch? How about the brand new Pixar movie? How do you feel about that? That would justify your $6.99, you know, cost per month for, for Disney Plus right off the bat. But just this past week, they were uh, talking about how they moved up the digital HD release of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker from Tuesday, uh, Tuesday the 17th, up to Sunday the 15th. But it's just still the same thing. You had to buy that. It's not like what they did with Frozen 2, where they dropped that right on Disney Plus three months ahead of when you know it was supposed to show up. Drew pointed this out. It's not like Disney is not being mercenary here. The digital HD version, I want to say, came out on February 11th, and then the Blu-ray mm -hmm. DVD version of Frozen came out retail two weeks after that. So it's, you know, people can't get out to the stores. So yeah. it's not like they were going to sell any more of the Blu-rays or DVDs of Frozen 2. So moving it to Disney Plus, and you can't get to see Frozen 2 unless you're at least paying $6.99 a month to get, you know, Disney's subscription streaming service. So Right. I just think that, the, that if movie studios start releasing to streaming mm -hmm. at the same time as they're releasing to theaters. It's basically, you're crossing the Rubicon there for movie theaters. You may remember two or three years ago, there was a plan. The idea is that certain movies for their opening weekend, you could pay $50. You'd have a license to watch a film in your home for 48 hours. But the idea was that that way, the exhibitors and the studio would literally split the money that they would, you know, the exhibitors would get $19, $25 from, you know, from the sale of this movie and the, the studio would hang on to their chunk. So everybody would be serviced. The exhibitors would still get the money if we, you went to the physical theater to watch it and the studios mm -hmm. would still get their chunk as if what the exhibitors would get back to them. And But at that time, the idea was that there was a whole group of people and my age, the old farts, who don't necessarily want to go out to movie theaters anymore. They want to sit at home and, you know, watch stuff as it becomes available. But, you know, that kind of died a dog's death because the very thing you were talking about, crossing the Rubicon, there were just a lot of exhibitors yeah. was like, no, we crack that egg, we cannot make that omelet. And now, without even the studios trying, we're here, we're at that moment. And you got to wonder what entertainment's going to be like, you know, this time next year, Len. Yeah, that's. I think that's going to be one uh, one of the bigger shifts that we see mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if it happens. Yep. Speaking of movies, Jim, I want to do a quick plug here for Touring Plans. Mm -hmm. We're doing a virtual movie night mm -hmm. every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern where the movie is related to a Disney or Universal theme park ride. So if you log on to Touring Plans chat feature or onto Twitter, use the hashtag Liner Movie Night. Uh, we'll make goofy comments about the movie as it plays. Last week's movie was Ratatouille. This week's, Jim, the all-time classic Eddie Murphy vehicle, The Haunted Mansion. Oh, come on. Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, Jim. That's cruel <laughs> and unusual, Len. They're already trapped in their homes. You, you can't make them 
what? The Haunted Mansion? Oh. Jim, let's do some, uh, some reader questions here. The always delightful Trudy sent in a survey that she got after staying at the All-Star Resorts. And a couple of the survey questions that she sent in I had never seen before. I wanted to, uh, to get your opinion on them. One of them was this. To what extent would you say the condition of your room was and the two extremes were extremely worn out or in extremely good condition or well kept up? So are, are they are they asking that question, Jim, because they want to know which uh, which hotels need to be refurbished? Disney is pretty diligent when it comes to the soft goods side of its hotels and that sort of thing. And right. But it's the overall design, yeah, right? Yeah. But so extremely good condition. That's extremely worn out or extremely good condition. Hmm. Right. And it's a scale from one to ten. Wow. The next one, which I thought this one was super interesting because we've talked about it on the show, was to what extent would you say your room was just like other hotel rooms or uniquely Disney? <laughs> I mean, there are some rooms, right? If you're if you're staying at Wilderness Lodge, Wilderness Lodge or Animal Kingdom Lodge, those are uniquely Disney rooms. But I got to think maybe Coronado Springs, the convention hotels, mm-hmm. are they just like other hotel rooms or are they uniquely Disney? I'm going with more on the just like other hotel rooms. No, you're not wrong. Though, you know, just to... Sort of double back to a previous survey you and I talked about. Do you remember that one mm-hmm. where they were proposing, for example, that you came back to your hotel room at night, that as you open the door, a Dis- your favorite Disney character would greet you, or as you could put, you were putting your children in bed, you could hit basically a function on your phone, and the room itself would start to tell a bedtime story to the kids. The lighting right. would change, and I right, I remember that. I can't help. But wonder about uniquely Disney that maybe we're going to see these features start to walk out. Oh, that's an idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder whatever happened because it was a patent, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, mm-hmm. super interesting. The next question on the survey was this: mm-hmm. Please rate your dining experience at Topolino's Terrace, flavors of the Riviera. All right, so that was the uh, that that was the the setup. Mm-hmm. There were six categories, and then your ratings are uh, anywhere from excellent, very good, good just okay, poor, or not applicable. Mm. Um, But they are asking questions like your wait time to be seated, the quality of the food, the appeal of the menu items offered. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Mm. Then it was the taste, the comfort of the dining area, and then my favorite question, Jim, Mm. value for price paid. Hmm. Now, Topolino's just opened with, you know, Disney's Riviera. With the Riviera in December. Yeah. yeah. So it's three months old. Yeah. So we normally see in kind of a three to four month window after a restaurant opens at a a Disney park, they do finesse the menu. They do, you know, make some refinements. So could this be info gathering for that? So they they didn't know ahead of time where she was. There was a previous question about where she ate. Mm -hmm. And then this was the follow up for Mm -hmm. it. I'm... I'm interested to see how this is aggregated. Mm-hmm. So Trudy, I mean, for the for the uh, for the survey, said everything was excellent except for the uh, the value for price paid, which was just good. And I would have to say that's uh, I I would I would have probably based on my meal at uh, Tupelo, I would have answered these questions exactly the same mm-hmm. way. Like I would have I've selected exactly the same values of it. The next question was also food related, and this had to deal with the All Star Movies World Premiere Food Court. And the question was, what if anything about your experience at the World Premiere Food Court? was especially positive 
or favorable. And a truly God lover writes, <laughs> we tried all the secret menu items during our stay and we're able to split these items between multiple adults. So two things she liked. Uh, and by the way, I, I think these are great too. The, the existence of secret menu items mm-hmm. at Disney resorts, I don't think it's so much of a secret, right? Because I think at, at the All-Stars, you can get things like mac and cheese hot dogs. They'll make poutine for mm-hmm. you. Um, which none of this stuff's on the menu, mm-hmm. but basically it's things that they can combine can combine based on what's on hand that they were making anyway. That's the secret menu. Okay. The other dining related question was around the dinner shows, and there was a specific question here that was: On this trip to Walt Disney World, did you attend either of the following dinner shows? Hoop to Do Musical Review and Disney's Spirit of Aloha Dinner Show. Now, and, and so here's what I was trying to figure yeah. out with this. They obviously know how many people are attending those shows each night. Mm. Why do they need to ask Trudy? Was there any information in the stuff that Trudy shared about how many times she'd been to the resort, that sort of thing? Yep. Uh, yeah, there were those questions. There was all the questions around number of time you visited, mm. um, where you live, household income, all the standard demographic stuff. Okay. Oh, so you think they're uh, they're trying to link that back? Like, what what are the demographics? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes mm. sense. Hoop de doo with the new DVC that's going to be opening on top of River Country in 2022, 2023. Some, at some point in the some future. future. I don't think any of us have to worry about Hoop de doo That's actually. It's extremely highly rated. Yeah. yeah Hoop de doo is not going anywhere. But on the other hand, Spirit of Aloha, you look at, you know, for example, the, the Tiki Bar and, you know, how there's a line out the door. Len, I have never been able to actually have a drink inside the tiki bar i'm always out on the balcony i I can never get in wonderful decorations and and great performance pieces yet you look at something like the spirit of aloha dinner and it's like wow everyone set your watches for 1968 (laughs) exactly i'm just saying maybe hey we get a welcome to the 70s all right let's move it a little bit forward you know could you imagine if they did like a fantasy island theme or love boat theme with spirit? Oh, yeah. Disney! If you if you're if you're writing this down, yeah. Charo's still alive. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Jim, the uh, the next question on Trudy's survey was this, mm-hmm. and again, I, I think this one's super interesting. Please rate your experience with the transportation options you used: bus and Disney Skyliner. Were Trudy's two options? You want to take a guess as to which one she rated higher? I'm gonna guess the Skyliner. Yes, very good. Yeah. The next question after that was, please rate each of the following attributes of the Disney Skyliner. And it was getting in and out of the cabins, which Trudy rated as excellent. The wait time to board, which also rated excellent. Mm -hmm. The comfort of the cabins, which was rated very good. Mm -hmm. It was the only thing that Trudy didn't rate excellent. And I got to say, there are some times I could use some padding on those seats. You're not wrong. Uh, But but again, they went with those wooden slat seats because that's supposed to help with air ventilation. Yeah, I, I get the whole reason for mm-hmm. it. Uh, it helps the air circulate around your legs and stuff. I mm-hmm. got it. Finding your way to the stations, mm-hmm. excellent. Audio messaging or announcements in the cabins. And then ride time, all excellent. Mm-hmm. So it looks like the the survey questions about the Skyliner are getting even more detailed. Okay. Anyway, Trudy, thanks very much for, uh, for sending in that survey. Folks, if you get any surveys from Disney anytime soon, please uh, take screen caps of them and send them in to us. We will look at them and read the interesting questions on the air. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Chip is going to tell us about what's going on with the Muppets in their future in the Disney theme parks. All right, Jim. Muppets. 
theme parks. Yeah, and there was nobody happier in the planet in August of 1989 when the word broke that the Walt Disney Company was going to acquire the Jim Henson Company. And not only just the Jim Henson Company, but, you know, Jim Services. And and then, you know, when we lost Jim in, in May of 1990, that was a heartbreaker. And it was equally heartbreaking in December of 1990, that, that same year, when uh, the Henson family and Disney parted ways. Mm-hmm. I remember talking with Mark Eads. He was inside of Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. They were measuring the inside of the theater because they were going to be bringing uh, Muppet Vision 3D and putting it inside that theater. And the word came down that, you know, the Henson family's called off the deal. Drop your tape measures and get out. Jump ahead to February of, of 2004. And here Disney has finally acquired the Muppets. I mean, it's Michael Eisner has kept after them this whole time. But the Muppets are kind of damaged goods at this point. There was initially this huge plan to bring the Muppets in full force to the, the Disney theme parks. Did, did I ever tell you about that? The first summer that the Muppets were supposed to be in Disneyland, Len, or? I think you've said it. It was, uh, they did like a coming soon promo in Disneyland? It was going to be the set of ads in the Los Angeles Times where basically Mickey is exhausted. Disneyland has just wrapped up in, in 1990, its 35th anniversary. And, you know, the poor guy needs a break. As part of these ads, he gets a, a, you know, word from Kermit. It's like, well, look, I'd, I'd be willing to help out if you guys want to go away, you know, for away for a while and take a vacation. I'd be happy to step in. And so there was literally going to be a photo op where you, you have Mickey, Donald, Goofy, Minnie, Daisy, Pluto, and Goofy climbing into a limousine. And, you know, to the effect of, okay, we're going on a vacation. Here are the keys to Disneyland, which they then present to Kermit the Frog, Fozzie, and Miss Piggy. And it's like, we'll be back at the end of the summer. And so the summer of 1991 was supposed to be totally Muppets. They were going to do things like paint the Matterhorn green. Oh, fuck. You know, and they were going to do things like in Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, the scene where they, the, the pirates are chasing the women. They were going to swap out one animatronic for animal. You know, so he was going to be chasing one of the women. And there was going to be a Muppet motorcade that rolls through the park every day. And, and Disney being Disney, of course... Mickey, Donald, Goofy, as they're going around the country, they're literally meeting with Disney fans around the country. And they'd come back to the park in Labor Day of 1991. And so that was going to be the introduction of the Muppets to the folks in Southern California. And then after that was going to be the Muppet 3D was going to go into uh, Lincoln. And meanwhile, there were so many of us who actually rode the tram tour at Disney MGM, mm-hmm. who looked out in 1990, 1991, and there was that construction fence for Muppet Studios. That was actually going to happen. And in fact, I think we talked previously about, you know, how excited Jim Henson himself was about turning the Muppets into animatronics, because he had already worked a lot with radio-controlled rigs on on films like uh, The Dark Crystal and Labyrinth. And, you know, it was like he, right. here he was going to get to play in Disney's toy box. So we jump ahead now to February of 2004, and Michael Eisner, after years and years and years and years, finally gets the Muppets. But Disney was going to pay $150 million dollars for the Jim Henson Company, but that included a 10-year exclusive contract for the rights to work for Jim Henson's creative efforts. And, you know, they, they were it's just, oh, my God, what this guy's going to do for the company. And conversely, yeah. in 2004, when it came time to finally buy them up, it's now away from the Jim Henson Company, 
Disney paid $35 million. Wow. So a quarter of what they would have, or a little bit less than a quarter. And the big get at that time was Bear in the Big Blue House. Oh. You know, which Henson produced for the Disney Channel. So it was like, oh, cool, we get that and the Muppets. But then jump ahead, it's September of 2005. Michael Eisner, the guy who's been pursuing the Muppets for Disney since September of 1990, walks out the door. And Bob Iger isn't necessarily a Muppet fan. 2006, he buys Pixar for $7.4 billion. And then 2009... He buys Marvel for $4 billion. And then 2012, he buys Lucasfilm for, what is it, uh, $4.5 billion. Here we are just, you know, two years ago, he's bought 20th Century. So it's like, Len, it's not that the Muppets are in the backseat of the Disney corporate car. They're in the trunk. <laughs> We've just had, for example, Regal Eagle uh, Smokehouse open at Epcot on February 20th of this year. When you walk around that restaurant... The Muppets aren't necessarily in your face. They're not. It's really subtle. A lot, of, a lot of a lot of pictures of them on the wall, along with some other barbecue stuff. Although there is a um, there is a sign in there, and I forget the exact quote, but it's uh, if you're walking into the restaurant, it's on the right, and it's something like you know a tribute to all smoked meats, but but mainly barbecue, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a a throwback to the uh, to the Muppet Vision movie. Yeah. On a future show, Len, we, we could go into the whole, the issue of, you know, them trying to revive the TV series. In fact, uh, there was this heartbreaking moment for the, the folks at Henson. You know, they finally thought they had broken free from Disney. They they signed a deal in, I want to say, August 19th, 1995, that they were going to bring the Muppets back to network television, and it was going to be on ABC. And you know, just, This is a really big deal. And then on August 31st, it gets announced that the Disney company is buying Cap City's ABC. It's like, and they've gone from, we're free from Disney. I'm like, oh crap, we're back at Disney. <laughs> just when we thought we were out, they pull you back in. The problem right now at, at Disney is, is its perception that the Muppets are a nostalgia brand, that they're not something that are white hot. And Disney's making an effort to bring them back. They greenlit in 2016 a revival of the Muppet Babies. But mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, it's an animated series, but it's CG because this had to sit alongside Doc McStuffins and Fancy Nancy and that sort of thing. And it, it had to look like it was part of that world as opposed to old-fashioned hand-drawn. Top of the show, we were talking about Josh Gad. Did you hear about this project that he was working on for Disney Plus with Edward Kitsis and no, his writing partner? Th- these are the gentlemen who created... Once upon a time for ABC, what they wanted to do for Disney Plus is they wanted to do a show, Len, that was literally called The Muppets Live Another Day. Really? That was the literal name of it? Here's the problem. Josh is is a, a huge Muppet fan, as are you know, Edwards and his writing partner. And what they wanted to do was create – this is the premise of the series. It literally picks up after the 1984 – Muppet movie, uh, The Muppets Take Manhattan. And, you know, the Muppets are on Broadway in their show Manhattan Melodies. And Ralph the dog mysteriously disappears. And so mm-hmm. it's up to the Muppets to now find him in the canyons of Manhattan. And it's it was going to be a limited series, uh, you know, putting them out in, in the world of the, the 1980s. Again, nostalgia. 
Disney Plus, here's the premise. And basically, it's like, look, guys, nothing personal. But this is so inside baseball. You know, the Muppets Take Manhattan was the lowest grossing Muppet film of all time. Really? Yeah. I think it made $25 million total at the box office back in 85, cost $8 million to make. And it was just the notion of only the most diehard Muppet fans are going to want to watch this. So they came back with a, a second project, which I, I'm sure you've heard about. It was just announced recently, the, the Beauty and the Beast prequel. Yes. How Gaston and LeFou got together and, you know, their adventures in the wars before they came back. But Pizza Rizzo, you know, Disney spent all of that money, uh, you know, back yeah. in November of 2016 to redo Pizza Planet. So it would, would fit in with the Muppet Studios idea. And by October of 2018, because of it had so little foot traffic, it went to seasonal. Isn't that when we also saw the what had previously been designated as Muppet Studios change over to Grand Avenue? Yeah. Yeah. There's no real confidence within the organization about the Muppets appeal. And in fact, the only reason that Pizza Rizzo came back in May of this year was because Galaxy's Edge was about to open and they were looking, thinking, well, you know, we're going to need places in the immediate food people, uh, right? vicinity to feed these people. I know there's a brand new gentleman. He just replaced Debbie McKellen as the, the VP in charge of the Muppets. Let's see. Light body. So the business card actually says VP Muppets on it. Muppet that's, Studios. That's kind of what, that's kind of what I want my, uh, my business card to read. Oh, they're, they're, they're actually beautiful business cards. I've got a couple of them. <laughs> but yeah, David Lightbody. And he is ah, definitely, okay. he's making it his goal to try to get the Muppets out in front of consumers any way possible, which explains, by the way, for those of us who saw all of those portal by Facebook ads, you know, around the holidays, that was part of this effort. But when Nancy and I went out and saw Onward this past weekend, the short starts off with the silhouette of Mickey Mouse, and then the light comes up, and it's Homer holding two donuts over his head, Homer Simpsons. And it was like, Disney welcomes the Simpsons. <laughs> and it actually ended with the Gracie film logo, but with the silhouette of Mickey Mouse in the audience talking, and that's who got shushed. But especially you know, now, it's not just Marvel. It's not just Pixar. It's not just Lucasfilm. It's the Muppets competing for oxygen in the same space with, with the Simpsons. The Foxes, yeah. yeah, and everything that had Fox that, yeah, I... It's tough because it went from being, you know, one of five properties mm. or whatever, you know, to one of 55 properties. Yeah. And it's, it, there just aren't that many people inside Disney that uh, to work on it. I get it. And now you have a highly rated show like Muppets present great moments in, in, in history. And again, that came into the parks in October of t- uh, 2016. It, mm-hmm. I think you're the one who discussed the fact, you know, you had somebody in the organization who flat out said, look, we're cutting that show because we're having some cash flow issues at the other parks. In uh, in Asia, yeah. This is when the uh, the tenants had started to drop in Asia. It was a direct casualty. Yeah. So now that's kind of a fire extinguisher show. I mean, it came back in late uh, 2019 for the holiday week. It was being presented in Liberty Square from the 23rd through the 31st. And then just last month on the 15th through the 17th, you know, it was there for President's Day weekend. But Disney put all of this money into creating that show, but they don't have any champions in the building. Given Bob Chapek's history, that he's a guy who lives and dies by what the spreadsheet says in front of him about, you know, again, he came out of consumer products. It's it's merch sales and Muppet Babies have sold really, really well then. So, and that got a three, a third season pickup 
just last year. Oh, good. But if I were a betting man, if I would bet if we're going to see a brand new Muppets thing in the parks anytime soon, it's probably going to be Muppet Babies. I think the big the big thing for me is like, you know, as long as they keep trying mm. with the Muppets, that's that's the thing you want. I, same thing here. Same thing here. And more power to David Lightbody. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Debbie McKellen. She was a, a great champion from the Muppets for years and years and years. But she was always fighting an uphill battle. They're you know, just trying to get a yep. seat at the table. And excuse me, Mr. Stormtrooper, could you move over an Iron Man? I, ju- I just want a seat right here. You know, and it just it w- yeah. was hard for the Muppets to fit in. So... I think it's fine. I mean, there's there's some hope that they'll uh, they'll keep using it. The fact that they did Regal Eagle Smokehouse with one of the characters means that there's still people people in the industry still remember the Muppets. That's okay. Good. Well, again, I just all I do is I look at the character out on the walls and I think, you know, this is the Muppet equivalent of Where's Waldo? <laughs> there's a, there's some stuff okay. in there. So. All right. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please head on over to DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. We've got a new episode out on the residential community that Disney was going to develop in Florida, but didn't. And you can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com and more of me at touringplans.com. On next week's show, how Disney planned to move Carousel of Progress to California and update it to be like the old Horizons ride. And we'll have another exclusive show for Bandcamp subscribers about Disneyland's Grand Canyon Diorama. We are produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who's still planning to be at New York's Bloody Mary Festival on Saturday, April 18th from 10.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. in Industry City in beautiful downtown Brooklyn, New York. While Aaron's doing that, please go on to iTunes and Radar Show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.